Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we'll conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will follow at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. At this time, I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Well, thank you very much, Kate, and I too would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Connect Education Workshop, Advances in Treating Chemotherapy-Related Nausea and Vomiting. And this is part one of a three-part series on supportive care. And so um, we're delighted to have all of you on the call today. Today's workshop is a collaborative effort between Cancer Care and many other cancer organizations. And it really is because of that collaboration that we've been able to reach so many of you on the call today. Now we have the, on the call today over 775 participants, and you come from all of the United States, from all different parts of the United States. And we also have international participants from Canada, Ireland, Spain, the United Kingdom, and Venezuela. So really from all over the world. And it's a credit to you that you've chosen to spend the next hour with us. Today's activity was made possible by Teva Pharmaceuticals and an educational donation provided by Amgen. I really want to thank them for their support of the program and for their corporate um, partnership on making this program possible. I'd like to turn your attention for a moment to the materials that you received from Cancer Care. In those materials is information about today's program. Um, there's information about all the different collaborating organizations as resources for each of you. And there is an evaluation form, and I would ask you all at the end of the program today to complete that evaluation form. Um, your feedback is really very important to us as we plan more programs in 2014, even as we plan the rest of the series in terms of topics that you really want us to address. So please do um, let us know what you think of the program and particularly topics that you want us to rec that you recommend that we offer um, because we're at the beginning of the year and we're planning lots of things and um, we very much try to implement what you ask us to do. Um, and um, now we have wonderful speakers on our program today and I want to begin by introducing our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. David Huey. And Dr. Huey is Assistant Professor, Department of Palliative Care and Rehabilitation Medicine, Department of General Oncology, Division of Cancer Medicine, the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. And Dr. Huey is going to address the causes of chemotherapy side effects, managing nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and constipation, and practical tips to deal with infection control. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to Dr. Huey. Thank you, Dr. Messner, for this um, opportunity to talk about this um, important topic. Um, effective management of chemotherapy side effects really will help patients to not only have a better quality of life, but also allows them to get the full dose of their cancer treatments. So before I go into details about the chemotherapy side effects, i just like to say that different cancer drugs can cause different side effects. And um, even among patients who are taking the same drug, the side effects can differ quite significantly. So with that in mind, let's talk about the um, causes of chemotherapy side effects. Um, so the goal of cancer drugs is to kill the cancer cells, but sometimes in the process there may be some collateral damage. So when the normal cells are also damaged by the patients, that is when the patients may experience some of the side effects. So chemotherapy, for example, tends to affect cells that are faster growing. And so when um, chemotherapy affects the hair follicles, that's when patients may experience some of the hair loss. And when chemotherapy affects the lining of the intestines, that's when they potentially would develop diarrhea. 
Now, when chemotherapy affects the bone marrow of the patients, um, then there may be three different cells that may be decreased in number, including the red blood cells, which is what we call anemia, white blood cells, which, um, which we call um, neutropenia, and then the platelets may also go down, and that could lead to um, a predisposition for bleeding as well as bruising. Another way that chemotherapy may get inside the brain and actually cause some other side effects, um, and these side effects could include feeling tired as well as um, potentially nausea and vomiting. So if you think about the nausea and vomiting response, it is in a way a very natural um, defense for the body to get rid of toxins that they sense in the body. And you know our reaction is to throw up the toxin um, that we may have ingested. Except that in this case, a lot of the chemo may actually be taken intravenously. And of course, we actually want to keep the chemotherapy in the body. So finally, chemotherapy can sometimes damage other tissues in the body, including nerves and even the lungs or the liver, but um, luckily these um, side effects are not as common as um, fatigue and nausea and vomiting. So going on to a little bit about how to best manage chemotherapy-related nausea and vomiting, these type of nausea and vomiting could usually happen in the first few days of each chemotherapy cycle. And these are fairly common, and um, because they can be anticipated um, often, we typically ask patients to take medications even before they start their chemotherapy in order to prevent that, having that sensation of nausea and vomiting. And so we may ask patients to, for example, take some regular doses of steroids or some other anti-nausea medicines. And, um, they can usually be taken in the first few days of each chemotherapy cycle. And then if patients still have some extra um, episodes of nausea vomiting, then there are other anti-nausea medicines, such as metoclopramide, that could potentially help patients further. And um, I think when patients have nausea and vomiting, it's very important to make sure that they are well hydrated. And if they have trouble keeping themselves hydrated, this is potentially when um, they may even need to be hospitalized and be treated. So the third um, question I was given was um, to talk about diarrhea. And um, diarrhea is not uncommon for cancer patients uh, um, undergoing chemotherapy. And it happens that um, the chemotherapy that attack particularly um, cells in the um, GI tract and gastrointestinal tract are the ones that are more likely to cause um, side effects such as diarrhea. And these may include drugs such as um, arenotecan or capsidabine. And um, typical management includes first making sure that you're well hydrated, you know, because you've got to have enough water to replace the fluid that's lost through diarrhea, and also to have a more bland kind of diet consisting of a banana, apple, rice, and toast um, are some examples. And if the diarrhea is um, pretty persistent, it would be a good idea to take um, some of the medicines to slow down the bowel movements, including Imodium and Lomotil. And um, for patients who have persistent diarrhea, we often ask them to even take these medicines up front early in the morning just to, again, prevent that um, diarrhea from even occurring. And in severe scenarios, though, patients may, again, need to be hospitalized. Um, the next symptom I'd like to touch on a bit would be constipation. Constipation is perhaps not as commonly 
um, to be directly related to chemotherapy, but definitely some of the drugs, such as um, mincristine, can um, cause constipation by decreasing the bowel motility. And um, more commonly, though, constipation can be a result of other medicines that we use, such as morphine, and it can be maybe associated with some deconditioning as well as dehydration as well. So it is a common concern among cancer patients. Um, so we typically use laxatives to manage constipation, making sure the patient is well hydrated. Um, and um, there are many over-the-counter medicines, such as Cina and Merolax, and they are some um, good laxatives to use and um, pretty effective for the day-to-day -day constipation. And um, for more severe constipation, the patients may need some other um, forms, such as lactulose, ducolates, or enema. The key thing is to talk to your healthcare team and your oncologist to decide how to titrate these kind of medicines so that um, we can not only treat, but ideally prevent constipation from happening. So um, finally, I'd like to touch on um, infection control. And um, you know, this is a very common question for cancer patients, particularly those who are on chemotherapy, because they may be at risk for infections. Um, and this is partly um, uh, um, related to the fact that their white blood cell counts may sometimes be decreased, and essentially they don't have an army to fight for them. So not all the patients on chemotherapy have a low white blood cell count. Even if they do, most of the time, they can actually go about and do their things in public without having to worry too much. Um, but they should be maybe staying away from patients um, who are clearly infected. And if and when a patient develops a fever while on chemotherapy, it is very important to call the doctor to, so that they can do some blood work to see indeed if they have a low white blood cell count. And if this turns out to be the case, then it could be a potentially serious complication, and patients would then need to be on antibiotics. And um, this is um, very important for patients to keep in mind, so always make sure you have a thermometer around. Um, and if patients have a low white blood cell count, regardless of whether they have a fever or not, um, it would generally be good to avoid um, things such as fresh flowers or uncooked food that may have a higher bacterial count. So just to summarize um, with some take-home messages, I would say that chemotherapy side effects are not uncommon, but often they can be treated effectively. And the key is to keep the communication open between you and your oncologist Tell them about the side effects that you, that you may be experiencing and um, so they can be managed properly. And importantly, many of these side effects can even be anticipated and even prevented effectively. So please follow your oncologist's directions carefully when they ask you to take um, different medications. And that concludes my session. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much, Dr. Huey. That was a really outstanding presentation and wonderful um, information for everybody and really um, covering a lot of uh, very important topics that I know a lot of our audience are concerned about and we'll have questions for during the Q&A. So thank you. And our next speaker is Dr. Stuart Fleischman. Dr. Fleischman is Founding Director, Cancer Support Services, Continuum Cancer Centers of New York, Accreditation Surveyor, American College of Surgeons, Commission on Cancer. And Dr. Fleischman is going to address tips to manage neuropathy, recommendations to deal with hair loss, and checklists for communicating with your healthcare team. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to Dr. Fleischman. Great. Thank you, Dr. Messner, and I hope this information is helpful to people on the call. 
it's great that you picked uh, these side effects to discuss because when we ask most people uh, what they're most concerned about before starting chemotherapy, it's often uh, throwing up and losing their hair. Um, but neuropathy is um, an important limiting factor that sometimes uh, affects our dosing of chemotherapy. So um, to start off with the skin, hair, and nail issue, um, we've got to keep those clean. Um, I know that sounds um, a bit uh, simplistic, but it's really, really important because uh, dry skin and dirty skin can often get infected, infected with bacteria or infected um, with fungus, and those are things we really want to avoid uh, during chemotherapy and radiation therapy. So keeping skin moist and clean are really, really important, and the moisturizer you use is really a matter of personal preference. Um, some folks like the old-fashioned uh, petroleum jelly, uh, which is sold under many, many brands like Vaseline, but there are other, other companies that make it. Um, and a lot of people say it's too gooey, um, it gets in their clothes, uh, they stick to things, and there are hundreds of products out there in the marketplace, both in the United States and in other countries, under a variety of brand names that actually preserve the moisture in the skin. They don't necessarily add moisture to the skin. So the best way to use moisturizers is to actually use them after a shower or bath, and they provide a protective layer so that the moisture doesn't evaporate. It's hard to put moisture back into dry skin. It does that to a certain extent, um, but it's best to use them after a shower or a bath. Um, there are a number of things that can happen to the skin apart from dryness. Sometimes patients who um, get uh, radiation and adriamycin or taxane, two types of chemotherapy, can get a rash much later called radiation recall. The, many of the new medicines that are used, the targeted chemotherapies, provide a whole host of skin side effects that are um, quite disturbing to some people. Uh, we've actually done full conference calls on that, and I believe there are podcasts on the uh, Cancer Care uh, Connect conference uh, list on the web. Uh, but that requires a variety of things, including sometimes corticosteroid uh, creams uh, or even topical antibiotics or even low doses of oral antibiotics that are used to treat acne. There are a variety of, of ways to approach that depending upon um, what your individual situation is. Also, medicines and foods of any sort can often cause a photosensitive reaction, which means that the, 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 the chemical in a food or a medicine can actually make the skin much more susceptible to sunburn. Um, not necessarily a full sunburn, but sun exposure. So using a, um, a lotion or a cream that not only moisturizes, but actually um, provides some protection against ultraviolet A and ultraviolet B um, rays from the sun are really, really important. It's important for all of us. It's especially important with the number of, of uh, substances that we use in between the chemotherapy and all the medications uh, so that we don't have a reaction to the sun. Um, and uh, there's a great debate about what number sunscreen to use. They're all, relate, they're all rated by an SPF sun protection formula. Some people say a 15 or a 30 is enough. Some places are selling numbers that um, go up to 100. From what I understand about this, an SPF of 15 means that in an hour of unprotected sun, and if you, uh, you get the same exposure as if you use an SPF 15, 
and get 15 minutes of sun. Um, so I, 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 I'm not sure exactly what the number is, but a good quality one that you repeat a number of times during the day, especially if there's, you're in a hot climate and you sweat, again, re-moisturizes and protects the skin against sun. Um, nails, again, cleanliness, uh, uh, simplistic, but really, really important. Um, for those of us that may want to uh, indulge ourselves a little bit and get either a manicure or a pedicure during chemotherapy, during radiation therapy, when our blood counts are low, when our white count is low in particular, that's probably not a good time to do that. We don't want um, to cut the sides of the nail or the cuticles because they can bleed and easily get infected. Um, we're not sure about the cleanliness of many of the places that provide manicures and pedicures. There are health regulations that specifically make sure these places are clean, but sometimes they're not 100% clean and we don't want to, um, to risk that. So if you're going to um, do your nails, make sure that you avoid lots of chemicals, don't cover them up, don't use nail replacements, don't use nail extensions. Uh, just keep them clean, and, and uh, I think that's the best thing to do, um, and defer the manicure and pedicure until afterwards. Uh, hair and scalp are a big issue for many folks. Obviously, when you lose your hair, either you're being extremely fashion-forward, which is much easier for men than women, or it's a signal to the world that you're undergoing chemotherapy. And lots of people still like to remain somewhat circumspect and private about their treatment, and this is sort of an open advertisement. So um, these days, again, because of fashion trends, many men just choose to uh, buzz off their hair or shave, a lot, shave it. Uh, it's, in some circles, looks really cool and really progressive. And if so, moisturize and sunscreen. Again, our scalps that are used to having um, hair covering them uh, are very subject to sunburn um, when the hair is no longer there. So we really have to care for them really, really carefully. Uh, that's, this is very controversial for women. We, we, so much of our, um, of our uh, individual sense of, of beauty and attractiveness is um, connected to hair. Many folks will actually go and get some sort of hair replacement, um, a wig that is, is, looks like their hair before they have treatment, so it looks most natural afterwards. Some just use head coverings. Some do not. It's a very deep personal preference, and it's just one of those things that touches us at our core, but whatever you do, cover or not, shave or not, make sure that it's clean and use, use a lot of sunscreen. Scalp, again, is really, really sensitive. Um, I have uh, been through chemotherapy with patients who have used ice packs on their scalp. Um, again, somewhat controversial. I believe there are studies that say it's pretty safe. I have seen um, women undergoing chemotherapy for breast cancer who months later actually had breast cancer metastases to their scalp. Um, so I, again, it's one of those things you really need to discuss with your treatment team. It's, it's good and bad. Um, I'm going to move to neuropathy, again, a really important topic because that's what sometimes can um, limit the amount of chemotherapy or radiation therapy that we can get. Neuropath neuropathy is a technical term for the misfiring of nerve cells. And these nerve cells are often in what we call the periphery, in our fingers, in our toes, the edge of our nose, the tip of our tongue, um, around the nipples in our breasts, the edge of our ears, uh, end of the penis, any place that nerve endings happen 
cancer chemotherapy can affect those nerve cells, and it can affect them in a variety of ways. There are what I call a number of flavors of neuropathy. Some of them, it just goes numb, and you can't feel. And that's important because if you try to stand up and you can't feel the floor, it's really easy to fall, and we want to avoid that if at all possible. So numbness or not feeling is, is sort of one variant of this, a sense of pins and needles. We've all had that when we uh, would fall asleep on an arm or a leg and wake up and the circulation is poor. And until the circulation comes back, we feel that sense of pins and needles. Well, that can happen when there's an effect of the chemotherapy on the nerve ending itself. It happens with diabetes. It happens with a variety of other um, situations. And if you have prediabetes or diabetes and then get chemotherapy, sometimes they each add on to each other and can make the situation worse. So numbness, pins and needles, you could even have a burning sensation and could feel um, um, hot and cold. Oxaliplatin is sometimes um, associated with the feeling of hot and cold in our nerve endings, even or even in, in the temperature sensors in our body. Um, there are a number of things that can be done. The important thing is really to share this with your treatment team. They may have to alter the uh, actually the dose of chemotherapy. That's not necessarily bad. Uh, it means that you're absorbing a lot of it, and based upon that and blood counts and good, uh, good judgment, that they can personalize the treatment to your body, your situation, and how much you are absorbing. Um, a good uh, evaluation by physical medicine or rehabilitation, if it's hands and feet, can be really essential because you don't want to fall. And the physical therapy evaluation uh, can actually help you strengthen the muscles that hold up your body, your core muscles, collateral muscles so that you don't fall. Very, very helpful. Variety of other medicines that can be used to treat the symptoms, not necessarily when it's the numb part, uh, numb kind, but more when it's the hot and cold, burning, or the pins and needles. Um, they're all used for other purposes. Lots of folks are put off because they are, feel stigmatized if they're given an anticonvulsant or an epilepsy medicine or an antidepressant because they don't have epilepsy, they don't have depression, but many of these medicines are tried and true, good studies, very effective. Nothing is effective for everybody, but these medicines are highly effective for, them, for most people. And it is a question of what other medicines you're taking, what other conditions you have, and trying to balance out the benefits of these medicines from, um, from the, the side effects. So there are things to do, but if it's the numb kind of chemotherapy, the smartest thing is to get a physical medicine and rehabilitation referral so that the rest of your system is as um, strong as possible or you're fitted for some assistive device so you don't fall. Falling during cancer at any time is particularly bad, and we want to avoid that at all costs. Uh, there are a number of other things to use apart from medicines and apart from physical therapy, including stimulate electrical stimulators to help um, take away the sensation that stimulates um, other, other parts of the nervous system. Um, certain types of massage may be helpful. Yoga may be helpful in strengthening and for flexibility. So get a referral and get an evaluation by someone who's used to dealing with this and who really understands. Very, very important. And that really brings us to the third uh, topic that Dr. Messner had asked me to review is that um, many folks, when they go in to, for a follow-up with a medical oncologist or radiation oncologist or even a surgeon, when asked, how are you feeling today, our reflex is fine. Um, it's odd to feel fine during cancer. It really is. 
Um, we're doing a lot of, there are a lot of changes that happen, and, and we're doing um, treatments that often make us feel sicker before better. So please be specific and honest and candid with your team. Uh, think about it a little bit in advance because that gut reaction of just saying I'm fine really is, um, is very pleasant but actually serves very little purpose um, and shuts down a good mode of communication. The team, your uh, treatment team needs to know exactly what's happening with you so that the treatment can be personalized to your needs. Um, as far as um, neuropathy or even the, the skin, ex skin exposure or scalp exposure, um, sometimes you need to kind of walk them through what your life is like in, in the best way possible because that way we can be very specific about what we recommend. So if somebody is working as a gardener, I'm much quicker to um, make sure that they're using the right sunscreen. Um, if uh, somebody is uh, traveling in public transportation, a bus or a subway or a railroad train, want to make sure they don't fall and it's important that they um, strengthen those muscles. So walk them through what your life is like in, in, you know, in, in, a, in a rather quick way, but in a way that will give the treatment team an idea about what things need to be done to keep you safe um, and keep you as side effect free as much as possible. I, I know this is a very general um, point of view, but we'll, I guess we'll get more specific with questions. So I will stop there. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much, Dr. Fleischman. That was wonderful, and actually a lot, you covered a lot of areas, a lot of important areas for everyone to consider, and I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A. Thank you so much. Our next speaker is Dr. Douglas Peterson. Dr. Peterson is Professor of Oral Medicine, Department of Oral Health and Diagnostic Sciences, School of Dental Medicine, Chair, Program in Head and Neck Cancer and Oral Oncology, NAIC Comprehensive Cancer Center, University of Connecticut Health Center. And Dr. Peterson is going to address guidelines for dental care during chemotherapy and managing mouth sores and dry mouth. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to Dr. Peterson. Thank you, Carolyn. I'm delighted to be part of this very important conversation today. And as with the other treatment side effects in chemotherapy patients that we've heard about today, not all chemotherapy causes the same types of mouth problems in all kinds of patients. So really very similar situation to what we've been talking about so far. And also there can be very effective ways to prevent or at least minimize these mouth problems, including mouth sores and dry mouth, in ways that I'd like to discuss over the next few minutes. It's important to appreciate, I think, that the effects of chemotherapy on the mouth typically occur beginning a few days after the chemotherapy starts until approximately two to three weeks after the chemotherapy ends. So the mouth may be perfectly comfortable that first day of chemotherapy, but then there may be some changes in the days thereafter. And I would also suggest that given the complexity of some of the mouth complications, that it's very important to have comprehensive management by your healthcare team, including the dental team, before the chemotherapy begins. And in this way, the mouth can be prepared and protected going into the chemotherapy. And so just as Dr. Fleischman emphasized, rightly so, this communication among the patient and the healthcare team, including the oncologists and uh, the dental team and many others, even before the chemotherapy begins is really, really important. Now, I'd also uh, uh, like to mention that the best mouth care during chemotherapy is, is uh, provided as a foundation by 
upfront dental management before that chemotherapy begins. So achieving excellent health of, of your teeth and your gums and the lining tissues of your mouth is, is always an important goal, but uh, preparing the mouth uh, going into chemotherapy can be very, very important as well. Now having said this, uh, not all uh, diseases that we in dentistry find in the mouth need to be treated before the chemotherapy begins. For example, a, a very minor dental cavity or a cosmetic procedure uh, on a front tooth can typically wait for many weeks or even many months until after the chemotherapy ends. So we use our judgment and priority in discussion with, with the patient. However, more advanced dental problems such as deep cavities that may be a serious infection or severe gum disease, these typically should be treated before the beginning of chemotherapy so that they don't cause problems later on during the chemotherapy. And the decisions on the, the priorities and the types of treatments can be had with your healthcare team, including the dentist. I'd like to now turn to the mouth sores and dry mouth part of my presentation. You may know that certain types of chemotherapy can cause a so-called sore mouth. Uh, the technical term for it is mucositis. And this mouth lesion can be very painful. It can start a few days after the chemotherapy begins and typically be, uh, heals in those first few weeks after the chemotherapy ends. There are a number of products that we can use to help the patient uh, who's developing mucositis, both during the sore mouth phase and as the mouth is beginning to heal. And just as you've heard from our previous presenters, some simple techniques such as using basic non-medicated mouth rinses such as water and salt solution, just keeping the mouth moist and clean can be very, very helpful in reducing the risk of discomfort. Now, if the soreness becomes such that pain medications would be appropriate, uh, we can apply topical pain medications right to the area where it's sore, or other pain medications begin, can be given as a pill or even by injection. And also, the mouth uh, mucositis can, in some patients, cause a risk for infection. And we have very effective uh, medicines, including antibiotics, antivirals, and antifungals that can be used as well. Now, it's good that we have these approaches, and it can be very successful in minimizing the discomfort and the risk of mucositis. However, none of these approaches is specifically designed to prevent the mucositis per se. There is one drug called paliferamin that is approved in the United States that uh, in selected patients undergoing hematopoietic stem cell transplant can, be, uh, can benefit from receiving this drug which can reduce the mucositis. And hopefully there are other uh, drugs that will come on board. There are many other drugs in development to try and reduce the uh, severity of the mucositis in the future. As far as dry mouth is concerned, uh, the good news here is that chemotherapy doesn't typically directly cause dryness of the mouth. But as we heard uh, earlier, some of the medicines that we use to control nausea and vomiting, for example, can cause dry mouth. So we would recommend, if the mouth is dry, uh, keeping it moist with water and sugarless drinks. Avoid drinks with caffeine, since caffeine can dry the mouth. Uh, if the mouth is dry, avoid using tobacco or alcohol, because these two can dry out the mouth. So in this uh, brief survey, I've tried to illustrate some of the mouth care issues and mucositis and dry mouth management issues that we use in, 
in oncology practice. And as I summarize, I would like to again emphasize that not all cancer patients develop mouth complications because of chemotherapy, and that, that communication that Dr. Fleischman so nicely highlighted is so important in discussing these side effects. And by working together as a team and by drawing upon excellent resources such as our cancer care workshops and uh, online resources, the collaboration can really lead to very, very positive outcomes of your, your cancer treatment. Carolyn, I'm going to stop there and turn the program back to you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Peterson. That was wonderful, really, and very informative. And, and it's an area that often doesn't get adequately covered and discussed, so I'm really, really delighted to have you on the call today. So thank you. And our next speaker is uh, Ms. Danielle Baham, and uh, she is a registered dietitian. She's senior clinical dietitian, Department of Clinical Nutrition, University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. Ms. Baham is going to address eating hints, nutrition, and hydration concerns. It's my pleasure to turn the program over to Ms. Baham. Thank you, Carolyn. It's a pleasure to be a part of today's um, discussion. And unfortunately, nausea is um, such a common side effect of cancer treatment, um, but it could potentially limit how much food that a patient eats. Um, it's very important to have the right nutrition and adequate hydration during chemotherapy. Without proper nutrition and hydration, uh, you may experience weight loss, weakness, uh, loss of strength and difficulty recovering from your treatments. So here are a few tips um, that may help uh, relieve nausea. For some patients, uh, nausea happens only between meals. Um, if that's the case, try and eat small frequent meals or have a snack at bedtime or always have some type of snack easily accessible. Um, sometimes having an empty stomach is um, one of the worst things you could also do um, for nausea. Um, if nausea is a problem in the morning, try and keep crackers or pretzels near your bedside to nibble on just before getting up. Um, try drinking clear liquids, uh, serve cold or sip slowly. Clear liquids are those that you can see through, such as apple juice, broth, or ginger ale. You may also try um, popsicles or jello. Sometimes just sucking on hard candies with pleasant smells such as lemon drops or mints help get rid of bad taste. Um, but if you do have problems with mouth soreness, um, tart candies won't be um, an ideal choice for you. But on treatment days, try and eat bland soft foods. Um, those things would include uh, hot or cold cereals, hot cereal like oatmeal or grits, um, a half a sandwich, something like that, um, and try avoid eating an hour or two before treatment. And sometimes just thinking about getting treatment, um, the anticipation of treatment could cause nausea. So you might want to just relax, um, do some meditation, things like that to distract yourself from thinking about treatment and getting nauseated. Um, you may try eating cold foods, cold foods such as cottage cheese or yogurt, canned fruits, or try eating foods at room temperature. Um, cold foods and foods that are room temperature um, have uh, low odor and um, they may not, they may taste better. Um, hot foods, things that have strong odors, tend to aggregate, aggravate nausea. You will also want to avoid fatty foods, uh, fatty fried foods, spicy foods, and very sweet foods. Um, 
dry, starchy foods are better tolerated, um, such as, again, pretzels or crackers, um, potatoes, or noodles. Um, you may also try small amounts of foods that are high in calories, that are easy to eat, such as ice cream, sherbet, pudding, again, yogurt, and try and eat several times a day. Don't just eat once or twice. Um, tart or sour foods may be easier to keep down. Again, if you have mouth sores, you would want to avoid tart or sour type foods. Um, eat sitting up and rest um, sitting up or recline with your head raised for about an hour after eating. Drink your beverages between meals instead of with a meal. If you drink with a meal, this will cause you to fill up too quickly. Practice good mouth care. This is always important during treatment. Uh, it can help with nausea as well and, and taste changes, but rinse your mouth out with a salt and baking soda rinse. Avoid triggers where possible um, by recognizing times, foods, smells, or even events that trigger your nausea. And try to change your schedule or diet to avoid them. If the smell of food or cooking nauseates you, try to keep the room well ventilated. Prepare meals that don't require cooking or ask others to prepare your meals for you. Some patients find that um, ginger, the taste or the aroma of ginger helps relieve nausea. You could try drinking ginger tea, sipping on ginger ale. They even make um, ginger lollipops or ginger drops that you may try. Um, again, you want to rest um, after eating, sit reclined, make sure you're not laying down. Um, if you do have vomiting accompanied by nausea, if you're lying in a bed, uh, lie on your side so that you won't inhale the vomit. Again, sit upright, bend forward after vomiting, and don't eat or drink until the vomiting is controlled. After vomiting stops, start taking in about a teaspoon of cool liquid every 10 minutes. Try liquids in the form of ice chips or frozen juice chips, which you can take in slowly. You may want to avoid carbonated beverages as they, as they can lead to gas, bloating, burping, which could cause vomiting. Over time, just gradually increase to one tablespoon of liquid at a time, and if you're able to keep that down after about an hour or so, try larger amounts of liquid and progress on to eating small amounts of soft, bland foods such as hot cereals, cream of wheat, uh, pudding, or frozen yogurt. Dehydration could also become a problem. Um, patients tend to, if you're nauseated, you don't want to drink as well. Dehydration happens when you lose more fluid than you take in and your body doesn't have enough water to carry out its normal functions. Causes of dehydration include diarrhea, vomiting, fever, or excess sweating or inadequate oral intake. If you experience uh, nausea again, you may not um, feel like drinking too much, but some of the signs and symptoms of dehydration include um, headaches, dizziness, nausea is a sign of dehydration, sleepiness, fatigue, decreased urine output, you're not urinating as much as you normally do, dark or yellow, uh, dark yellow or amber-colored amber urine, dry mouth um, and mucous membranes such as your lips and gums uh, will get dry if you're not taking in a, enough liquids, as well as low blood pressure. 
Everyone has individual fluid needs um, depending on your age, the climate you live in, your activity level, and your cancer treatments. However, as a rule of thumb, try to drink at least 64 ounces of fluid a day. You could do this by drinking eight eight-ounce glasses, um, six 12-ounce glasses of fluid a day. Some good sources of liquids to keep you hydrated include water, of course. Um, if you do not like to drink plain water, they have plenty of flavored waters on the market or add a slice of lemon or lime or mix water with fruit juice. Milk is a great option as well, calories and protein in that. Fruit or vegetable juice, sports drinks, soup and broth, jello, ice cream, popsicle sorbets, Nutritional supplement drinks, such as Ensure or Boost, hot chocolate, milkshakes, <clears throat> excuse me, ice cubes and ice chips. You can try coffee and tea, <clears throat> but they contain caffeine, which may contribute to fluid loss. So it's best if you use decaffeinated versions of these drinks instead. And those are all the tips, <clears throat> excuse me, that I have to offer. So I'll um, extend it back to Carolyn. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, uh, Danielle. That was really superb, uh, really wonderful um, information for everybody and tips and things that really everyone can think about doing and implementing. Uh, they're very practical tips, and uh, so thank you so much. Um, and our next uh, presenter is uh, Wynn Burkle. Uh, Wynn is an oncology social worker. He's Director of Social Service Long Island, Lung Cancer Program Coordinator for Cancer Care. And uh, Mr. Burkle is going to address the free psychosocial support services offered by Cancer Care and the role of support groups. I'm now going to turn this program over to, um, to Mr. Burkle. Thank you, Carolyn. Uh, I'm sure most of us remember the time we moved into our first new home or even our last new home. And I'm sure most of us wondered how we were ever going to find our way in this new community or neighborhood. Many of us were fortunate enough to get a visit from the welcome wagon or maybe a very helpful neighbor who helped us find the nearest supermarket, service station, house of worship, school, and all the other services so essential to support our daily life. The more things we were able to connect to in our new neighborhood, the more we felt that we had things under control. Being diagnosed with cancer is in some ways very much like moving into a new neighborhood. Our cancer pushes us into a strange and sometimes scary new environment, and we really don't know where anything is and what we can do to get some control over a very difficult change in our lives. Fortunately, cancer care serves the role of that good neighbor who is there to help you find your way in this strange new place. Let's take a look at how. Cancer Care's user-friendly website, www.cancercare.org, in addition to providing a wealth of cancer information and topics, serves as a convenient entry point to connect with the many services which Cancer Care makes available free of charge for cancer patients and those who care for them. These services include things such as education and a wide range of supportive assistance. Let's look at these services in a bit more detail. Cancer Care's educational program reaches out to include it's an array of Connect Education workshops which provide information on coping with the physical and emotional impact of cancer, such as today's workshop, as well as informative workshops on diagnosis-specific diagnosis cancer topics. Replays of these workshops are available both online at Cancer Care's website, www.cancercare.org, and via your phone. Many folks find it convenient to download these replays to their iPods and MP3 players. 
The education program also provides Cancer Care's well-known Cancer Care Connect booklets, which are available free of charge and are packed with up-to-date information on treatments and the latest coping strategies to help cancer patients and those who care for them. To date, we have distributed almost 3 million of these very popular publications. While one is at our website, they can also sign up for Cancer Care's popular free e-newsletter or catch up with our latest information, CopeLink blogs. Cancer Care's support services are provided by its professionally trained staff of experienced oncology social workers who are there to assist folks like you in dealing with the many issues which arise from the diagnosis of cancer. These include these issues may include assistance with emotional issues in which they assess clients and provide appropriate, helpful psychosocial interventions. They include assistance with practical issues, such as financial assistance through Cancer Care's limited financial assistance program and referrals to the Cancer Care Copay Foundation and other financial assistance resources. Assist in resource finding, which our social workers refer folks to the many organizations and agencies established to help cancer patients. Navigating the system in which cancer care social workers assist people in understanding how to best manage the many new relationships involved in health care. And assistance in communications in which the workers are skilled at helping folks learn how to best communicate with their health care providers, employers, friends, and family members about their new situation. Cancer care social workers provide this assistance in a variety of friendly settings, such at Cancer Care's national office and its regional offices in the tri-state New York metropolitan area where folks can receive individual and group counseling face-to-face or over the phone where people from across the nation can find immediate assistance by contacting the Cancer Care helpline 1-800-813-HOPE and longer-term assistance through individual telephone counseling with a cancer care social worker, as well as connecting with other people in professionally facilitated telephone support groups, and online, where people from across the country share concerns in professionally-led online support groups, which are available 24-7 for participation. You know, I'm sure none of us ever expected to find ourselves moved to the neighborhood of cancer, but now that you're here, Be assured that Cancer Care, like that good neighbor, is there with you. Connect with us at www.cancercare.org or by calling us at 1-800-813-HOPE. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, uh, Wynne. That was wonderful and just a a wonderful um, um, presentation about all the services that people can access from Cancer Care. Well, now we have time for questions. We actually have a lot of time for questions. I'm going to ask... Okay, to explain to everybody how to queue up for questions, and we're going to try to take as many of your questions as possible, and Kate will bring all of our speakers on board, and I'm just going to uh, let you know that if for some reason you don't get to ask your question um, in the t- in t- you know, today, please don't hesitate to call our 800 number, 1-800-813-HOPE, and I'll repeat that number because our staff will be standing by to answer your questions. But let's see how many of your questions we can take now. So, um, Kate, shall we uh, go ahead with the questions? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then 1 on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit your questions by clicking Ask a Question. And again, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question at this time, please press star, then 1 on your touchtone telephone. 
And um, we have a question from one of our online participants, um, and the question is that um, they're having a second round of chemotherapy and feeling exhausted and consistently feeling sick from the, from the side effects, um, and is asking for some tips to find the strength to keep going. Uh, Dr. Fleischman, could you address that question, please? Oh, surely that's such a common thing that we hear from people. Um, it's very rare that chemotherapy doesn't make you sick. Um, so I think uh, best to think about it in general and specifically. In general, yes, this is what to expect, and hopefully your cancer treatment team has explained how much benefit you will get from treatment. Uh, it's important to clarify that in general because that helps endure well, the days and especially nights that are really bad. Specifically, if you could break down feeling badly to the, um, the actual details, is, apart from fatigue, is it nausea, um, is it um, uh, constipation, diarrhea, whatever it is, uh, if you can break it down specifically, your team may help you relieve the burden on some of those areas which would relieve the overall burden. Excellent. Thank you. And there's another question from one of our online participants, um, uh, from Lisa. Um, can you get your teeth clean when you are undergoing treatment? And Dr. Peterson, could you address that question, please? Uh, the answer is yes and, and no, Lisa. Excellent question. And by that I mean because of the effects of the chemotherapy on the bone marrow, and Dr. Hui had mentioned this uh, earlier in his presentation, if we're going to do any uh, dental procedures such as a, a tooth cleaning, we have to work very carefully with the rest of the healthcare team, the cancer team, and make sure that that uh, invasive dental treatment, that cleaning that goes below the gum, for example, is timed so that it's medically safe to do that, so that the white cells are strong and the the red blood cells are strong and uh, cells that protect against bleeding are strong. And so we can do cleaning typically before the chemotherapy starts. We try and do that a few weeks before. We typically hold off during the chemotherapy, but if it's multiple cycles of chemotherapy, maybe once every month for six months, there are a few days in the middle of each of those cycles of chemotherapy where it may be safe to do the cleaning. So this can all be discussed with the oncology team and coordinated so that uh, the treatment, the dental treatment, can be safely performed. Excellent. Thank you. So that communication between the, um, the, those, the, the dentist and the oncology and the oncologist is really important, is what you're really saying here, for those decisions. Thank you. Now, our next um, question is for Dr. Fleischman. Um, it's from Angie. Um, what are your thoughts regarding eating fresh fruits and vegetables for those going through chemotherapy treatments, and especially for those who may be neutropenic? I have heard contradicting advice on this topic. And Dr. Fleischman, could you um, define neutropenic for the whole audience, just so everybody understands that? Sure. I've heard controversial advice about that um, <laughs> on topic two and have given uh, controversial advice. Neutropenic means that your white blood cell count is low. Uh, neutrophils are one subtype of white blood cells, and white blood cells are really important because they help us fight off infection. Chemotherapy normally lowers white blood cell count and neutrophil count, so we're more, less, it's less easy, it, it's, not, it, it's harder for us to fight off infection when they happen. So um, as was said before, a small thing can become a big thing. Um, as far as fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, we used to tell patients not to do that. 
I think that's been relaxed a little bit with some of the new uh, bone marrow stimulators that keep our blood cells, white blood cell count from going so low. However, clean food is good for all of us, especially during treatment. And I generally advise people to wash their uh, fruits really well, um, either in soap or a commercial cleaner that actually takes off some of the extra dirt. Um, peel what you can peel. Um, if not, I've had a nutritionist say that, um, let's say, a, a good peach that's just ripe in summer that may seem so wonderful after your appetite comes back between treatments can be either parboiled in a little boiling water or um, heated in the microwave and then put back in the refrigerator before it's cooked so that it tastes fresh and cleaner than usual. And um, um, thank you, um, Dr. Fleischman. And uh, Ms. Baham, do you want to add anything to that discussion just about the eating those fresh fruits and vegetables during um, chemo? No, I, just, I completely agree with um, Dr. Fleischman and his suggestions. Oh, okay. Um, that's often a topic that comes up a lot, so thank you both for um, addressing it. Um, now we have another question. Um, from another one of our online, uh, uh, from Elizabeth, um, um, who's struggling with diarrhea and weight loss going through her treatment and, um, and has heard that Ensure and Boost may worsen diarrhea. Any other supplements that you have found that are better tolerated by patients? So, um, Ms. Bayham, do you want to comment on that? Sure. Um, yes, Ensure, um, Boost, those um, creamy-based supplements can make diarrhea worse. They just tend to make a lot of water to be drawn into the system. So there are clear liquid type supplements out there. Ensure Clear, uh, it's like a juice based, as well as uh, Resource Breeze, but that one uh, you can only find online. Also there are, um, a, there's a product called Isopure Plus, and um, again, it's like a juice-based. It's um, about 190 calories and about 10 grams um, per bottle. And that one you can find in stores as well. Excellent. Thank you. And I just, um, another question just in terms of just the, you know, the food is such a social part of our lives. I wondered if uh, when uh, if you would comment just on, in terms of your work with your support group, um, when people are undergoing chemotherapy and there's a social event with food and if you just want to comment on some things that people often do to cope uh, in those situations, and um, so if you want to comment on that. Well, I, I often think of the, you know, how important food is at family events, and very often um, many of the folks that we talk with are very concerned about uh, how to eat when you're at a family uh, celebration where, where food is, is one of the things that you use to celebrate. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, in, in one of our groups, one of the members uh, came up with the fact that she used the statement, I know you'll understand, and it, it's, it's a wonderful statement to use because when you, you turn to someone and say, I know you'll understand that I really uh, can't eat that wonderful cherry pie, uh, that you've just set the person up to, that they have to be understanding because you've just been, been very complimentary. And I think that that approach can be one of the things that's helpful in, in helping people understand that things are different for you and that you see them as understanding people who are, are willing to certainly uh, give you a great deal of slack. 
That's a wonderful tip. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and a question from Ms. Bayam and, and actually for Dr. Fleischman as well. Um, so if the nausea and vomiting is quite severe, um, actually um, Margaret's asking, um, does one then consider tube feeding? Um, so um, Dr. Fleischman, do you want to go first on that one? Well, again, it's one of those questions that yes or no answer. It often depends upon many other factors the kind of cancer you have, the kind of treatment you're getting, where you are on that treatment if you're beginning or towards the end. Um, uh, there used to be a feeling that if you just can't eat and just can't swallow, tube feedings are good. But um, I think the field has sort of changed at least a little bit for some patients or many patients because it seems like when you don't swallow for a period of weeks, when you start to eat again, it's tough to get started. So maintaining some amount of swallowing, um, even at the expense perhaps some nausea, may be really helpful for recovery. But again, it's very personalized. Um, it's a real sometimes yes, sometimes no answer. And explaining how you're feeling to your treatment team and asking them to figure out some ways around it may be the best solution. Excellent. Well, I actually, um, I really want to thank all of our speakers. You've really been extraordinary um, in today's program. Uh, this has been a really multidisciplinary um, call today with um, many different disciplines, all the different disciplines that you all want to call upon for um, help um, in, in coping with uh, treatment side effects. Um, I do want to let you all know that this is part one of uh, a three-part series. And so part two is um, coming up very soon as well. It's in a month from now. Part two is on February 21st. And part two is um, understanding chemotherapy-induced neutropenia or low white blood cell counts. Although people have asked about that today a little bit, the call on, on the 21st will be specifically about when, you're low white, when you have a low white cell count and um, you're concerned about that. So um, please stay tuned. Also, um, I just want to uh, let you know that if you didn't get to ask your question, please call uh, Cancer Care at 1-800-813-HOPE with any questions that you might have. Or also just to take advantage of our free support services, our counseling services, um, our practical help and assistance, um, signing up for a workshop, um, just any type of help that you might need. We certainly, our, st our staff are here. And I, I'm going to repeat uh, Wynn's uh, comment about the good neighbor. We want you to feel that we are that good neighbor and that you are in this, in this world of having to deal with um, treatment and chemotherapy and cancer and that we can be that resource for you to call um, for help. We are simply a telephone call away. I want to thank you all for your participation today and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for participation. This concludes the workshop and you may disconnect. Have a wonderful day.